You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The award-winning crunch time. And pass came in boards. Dangerfield on the burst, got it from Fogarty, kicks long, Hawkins at the back, marks, he won't miss this time, has a bounce, walks it in, and Hawkins doing all the scoring early. Top of the goal square, Tom Hawkins for his and the Cats second. He's now the leader in the Coleman medal, there's no issue with that kick. It's a tough shot, wide out on the left, Tom Hawkins for his third, he hit it pure, oh he's in the game alright. He's shaping the game to his will. Tom Hawkins has kicked three goals, two. And he's on approach for his next shots. He's on the angle, he's close enough in, and he's drilled it straight through. He's playing like a man mountain at the top of his game. Hawkins! (laughs) Goal number five for Tommy. Tom Hawkins for his sixth goal of the night. It's hard to remember a more dominant performance by a forward in recent times and that is a magnificent kick and beautifully captured the goal umpire straight over his head. I said a couple of weeks ago that I think he's in the best shape that I've seen him in. You know, age is probably not the relevant factor it's the the shape he's got himself in he he laboured with certain injuries at different times through his career and He's worked his way through it. He's, he's really become a true pro. I, I've always got a bias towards the present, but you know, I can't remember him playing much better. Tom Hawkins turns in one of the performances of the era from a power forward. As from Monday to Friday, Geelong makes a powerful claim for premiership favouritism. Patrick Dangerfield is our headline guest. Really strong performance last week. You know, we were ready for the game this week, but we just didn't play with the energy that you need and the... And the um, the hunt and Geelong was so much better at that. It's a bit of an outlier for us, the performance tonight. We need to have some home truths in the coming days in the review. Clearly that's not going to be a great review. We need to cop our right whack because uh, one team turned up and the other didn't. You know, I'm sorry to our supporters for the performance we brought. It wasn't at the level. It was nowhere near the level. Our display tonight for the majority of the game wasn't um, acceptable. It's not up to standard. Uh, the fitting of our football club and the reality is that we're not good enough at the moment. The hard times bites for contenders and strugglers alike as the first instalment of the frenzy nears its end. What can be salvaged in a phase when collective ambition and individual careers are put on the line? This is Crunch Time. Clean away for Stockdale and Lego and for McDonald's crunch time. The football world is swooning over Tom Hawkins and not only for the individual performance, but for the genre, for the power forward deep 
and it is drawing comparisons to the heroes of days gone by. Jared Waitley with you. Luke Hodge is with me. He played a few years, more than a few years, with one of those power forwards. He was on hand to see it live last night. Luke, hello. Good morning or afternoon now, Jared. Um, yeah, I, I was... I drove down to Metricon yesterday thinking we're going to be in for a, a massive game. We've got two of the uh, the big bulking forwards. And to be honest, I think everyone sat there thinking uh, Dixon's, he's the big dog. He's the one who's going to be the one who's going to take the contested marks, kick the goals. But I tell you what, the Geelong football team just lifted another notch. Um, we, we all said last week that St Kilda, were they looking to rest a few blokes just because they knew it was going to be a battle? But... There was no excuses last night. Geelong had a, a good opponent who they were coming up against. And the way they moved the ball and the way they got it into Hawkins was, was great to watch. And to watch a massive mountain like that who's worked so hard on his fitness after a few injuries um, take those marks, kick those goals, you sort of sit back. And I was a little bit the same as is footy getting back to the way it was because <laughs> what I saw last night, I was sitting back just on the edge of my seat, absolutely loving it. Now, when you say you drove down to Metricon, it sort of <laughs> skips the best part of the story, does it not? <laughs> I thought I'd get it in because I know we've got Paddy Dangerfield <laughs> on later on and he threw me under the bus. So, yeah, there was a little bit of a mistake, you know, with the with the change of schedules that come out. Uh, there was a four-week block and we all know footy's been day-to-day. And I looked at my schedule initially and I thought I was on Saturday, Sunday and both games were at the Gabba. Uh, I <laughs> made a mistake because I was on Friday night and I'd, I didn't realise that I had to make the journey down until about two o'clock when I got a phone call when I was on the golf course with a few mates <laughs> from my wife. And she said, um, where are you going tonight? I said, I'm at the Gabba. I'll probably leave about five to get there at quarter past five. She's like, yeah, well, Coop, our, our oldest, has just checked. And she goes, you're at Metricon. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I disagreed to start with. I had to check it up. I apologised. And then I said, buy Cooper some lollies because he's just saved me the embarrassment of uh, missing the game. So I unfortunately told um, Henderson, Lockie Henderson, pre-game and he's went and blurted it to Danger who <laughs> did it over social media to start with and then decided to throw me under the bus on TV as well. So what hole were you on? Did you have to abandon the round and what was it? You had to go and buy some supplies on the way? <laughs> no, I was lucky. I was on the I was on the 18th. Right. So it, like, time was no problem. So I still got down there with, with 40 minutes to spare. <laughs> but do you know when you just get a little bit flustered and you're like, I've got everything and I bought both tonight's, uh, last night's suit and Sunday's suit, just in case I made a mistake or something didn't fit. Um, but I got down there and I didn't have socks. I didn't have a rain jacket. Um, so I had to go and stop off at Woolies and, and buy a couple <laughs> pairs of socks. So at the end of the day, it was I, I made it a little bit harder for myself. But we got down there and, and I'm glad I got there for, for the spectacle that I saw. Very good. Very good, Luke Hodge with us. Kane Corns is in place. Hello, Kane. Uh, afternoon, Jared and Hodgie and everyone. Yeah, what, what a performance it was. I was, I was a bit like that um, Hodgie. I was sort of expecting a lot more from Port Adelaide. Um, I think it will be an outlier for them and I think it'll be, you know, sort of sometimes you get that result in the lead up to the finals that you really need just to put you back into your place a little bit. They've been up for a long time. They'd won their last three and and the footy frenzy for them was was pretty significant having played four four games in those uh, 15 days and, and their their draw will open up for them now to the point where I still think they finish on top of the ladder. Port Adelaide, they got Hawthorne, Sydney, Abai, North, Essendon and Collingwood. So they probably win four out of five and finish on top. But there, there's an issue with their side. There, there, there is a weakness in their side that can be exposed and that is the big forwards far too often get a hold of them. Uh, we've seen um, Hipwood and 
McStay do it to them earlier on in the year. Even last year, Ben Brown kicked 10 on them. And now we see Hawkins. So that's why I was so critical of the club for trading away Dougal Howard at the end of last year. And look, it may work out well in, in the long term because George Yardis is going to be a good player. But when you've got a 22-year-old, 200-centimetre um, key defender with speed who can spoil, I know no one probably could have stopped Tom Hawkins last night. But the weakness for Port Adelaide is the big forwards far too often get a hold of them and they're going to face big ones in the finals. It's going to be Kennedy. It's going to be Hawkins again. And you're relying on Cleary, who's 190 centimetres, and Jonas, who's small as well, to try and get the job done. So that's an issue that I'm not sure they can solve this season. And Sam Edmund rounds out the crunch time team today. Hello, Sam. Good afternoon, Jared. Kane, Luke, hope you're both well. How exciting was it last night? How refreshing was it to see a key forward just mark everything inside? I mean, a mountain of a man in complete and utter command. And, I mean, the midfielders monopolise the modern-day excitement, don't they? But this was just something else and uh he's out of contract jared now what do they do does he go out and put his hand out for two which he wouldn't begrudge but all well, the talk should. all the talk's been one yeah well, he's clearly got two in him so oh. he's 32 he just turned 32 yeah. last month but clearly in excellent shape an, an uber professional if i can use that phrase he looks after himself does all the right things and is he going anywhere anyway probably not definitely not so i'm sure they'll come to an arrangement there he and uh, his manager tom petroro with the cats so Kane, to your right, how good a performance from a key forward was it? Well, I don't think, firstly, and I said it yesterday on on um, the captain's run, that the forwards don't get enough credit. Uh, and Nick Revolt sort of alluded to it in the commentary on Friday when he was speaking about the Lizard Blakey and saying it's much easier to play as a midfielder. <laughs> it's never been harder to play as a forward. And I said yesterday, I look at the Brownlow medal votes last year and you had to go to 27th to even for a forward to even get a mention. And that's been the case. But similarly with the coaches' votes, you've got to go to 13th to find a forward in the coaches' votes this year. And that was Charlie Dixon. So we need to understand how difficult it is to play as a key forward in the modern era. There's numbers back there. Often you're two against one. Um, everyone floods back and crowds the, the forward 50 Games are shorter. So that, that, that that's every bit of a 12-goal performance in the 90s, I reckon, for Tom Hawkins yesterday. So it's as good as I've seen, seven contested marks. And he's just, you know, like the NBA player that just can't miss from the three-point line. He just couldn't miss and everything he touched, even the little the little deft touches and the handballs and the unselfishness that he showed last night. It, it was a performance of the year um, easily this year. It does. It was, yep. also, it was also how they played him as well. I think everyone, we, I spoke about before, how Dixon's the big contested mark kind of guy and, and Hawkins is the, the big full forward who loves it on the lead. I think that's what got Cleary and the Port defenders stuck in their mind because the whole night they were playing him from in front. Where yeah. and, and, and credit to the Geelong midfielders, Dangerfield, some of the kicks that Dangerfield kicked to him, he had composures to put it a couple of metres to his favour where he could use his body push him under. But... At times, you need to make a change. And I thought they did during the second quarter where it looked like they dropped Jonas just in front. They played Cleary from behind. But then the ball would move further towards the ground and they re, they repositioned. So Cleary went back in front of him, which played into Hawkins' hands, where if you looked at the other end, Geelong had so much... They spent so much time because um, Harry Taylor was on him and he would not let Dixon get behind him and he was relying on his teammates up the ground to chop off they dropped blitz ass back from stoppages just to have that seventh man just to shore up the defense but there was no way harry taylor was letting dixon getting behind him he, he was happy from the hit the lead up and he was physical with him when harry taylor went off Lockie henderson moved straight to dixon and the same plan so you, it was a clear 
process with the defenders just to make sure you keep him up the ground and to help each other out where it felt like Cleary was left 1v1 with Hawkins and even there was times in the third quarter when they made the change from Cleary to Jonas he had the whole forward half of the ground there was a stoppage just behind square for the Geelong defenders you looked in the forward line and Hawkins was by himself with his opponent with no one within 60 metres. Mm. I'm like, Geelong just kicked the ball out and he had so much space to do what he wanted, which was, it felt like it was almost like a 1v1, you go and take him on, where as a Geelong defence, it was like a, it's a 6v6, we'll, we'll defend as a group. If they play again, Jared, uh, I couldn't believe Jonas didn't start on him. Mm. Uh, I, I know Cleary's done a, a reasonable job on Hawkins before, but that was that was a big mistake from Ken Hinkley. And I was always watching going, is he keeping his powder dry for for finals, Ken Hinkley. Why Why is Tom Cleary starting on him? I, I couldn't believe that. And then they persisted for a long time. I think Hawkins, you know, had three and about four contested marks before they made a move. But if these two sides play again, Jonas will start on him and they'll play West off. So they'll drop one of the rucks. So it'll be Lysett and or Laddams. They won't play both. And West off will play that, that wing role and he'll float behind the ball and he won't do what Hodgie's explaining because he could see it better than anyone from the ground. And West off will just play as that... Um, seventh defender, which he's done so well. So there's a lot to learn out of it from Port Adelaide, and they won't make those mistakes again if these two teams meet in the finals, which which, which they probably will at some point. Jared Hodgie's former teammate Brian Lake, he was a must-watch on Twitter last night. Of course, locked on so many times with Tom Hawkins, and he tweeted, "Always play Hawkins on the back shoulder from behind, make him search for you." But then a couple of minutes after that, there was a tweet, "Can't stop that." So <laughs> there was, but it was interesting the philosophy. It, it was. Kane touched on earlier, maybe it wouldn't have mattered to a degree who played on him last night. How did they engineer so many one-on-ones with Tom Hawkins deep and close to goal, guys? Well, yeah, well the, when, when you're winning it out of the centre bounce, so centre bounce clearances, they win by five. So that, that gives you that option, so straight out of the centre bounce. And, and Dangerfield's use in there was, was extraordinary. So part of it was the skill. Um, part of it was, I guess, Port Adelaide relying on that pressure up the field and going one-on-one that just wasn't there. They've been such a strong pressure team. So they would have been relying on, on the ball to come in messy and then their defenders who have been good one-on-one defending, but they just didn't have the pressure on up the field last night and, and that's when you get exposed. I, I was shocked that they didn't drop a winger back. When, when you mm. looked up in that third quarter where he had the whole 50, the whole half a grand to himself, as a defender, you always got to yell for help. If you're sitting there thinking this is uncomfortable, you've got to call a winger back or let let the numbers go into the congestion and drop a half back back in front of him to make Geelong think. I don't think at any stage last night that they made Geelong think, or oh, if someone drops out, do I man him up or don't I? It was just follow my man up to the con- congestion, as Kane said, and just left him one out. But um, the other the other thing I noticed from ground is. Geelong is such a mature team and how they work for one another, one another. So Hawkins is the one who gets the 1v1s out the back. Gary Rowan, Gary Rowan pardon me, at one stage started on the closest wing to the boundary, ran deep inside forward 50 and then up to the other wing just to get a lead up. And he ran past Hawkins. He took Hawkins' man with him and Hawkins was left with a one-on-one with McKenzie. And that, that says for me nothing but... The Geelong team at this stage, after having so many losses in finals, they understand their roles. They're not, they don't care if they get the goal or if a teammate gets a goal, and they're willing to work so a teammate gets rewarded for it. So, And you could sort of see Gary Rowan, not sure, he's brought a lot of energy and, and spirit to that team. He was the most noticeable person. Whoever kicked the goal, Gary Rowan was up there. They'd look at him, he'd say something, they'd start joking around. They're really enjoying their football, and you could sort of see that's what he's brought. He's brought a little bit of zip, but a lot of unselfishness to, to that team as well.
So to your eye, Luke, how well equipped are they to, to challenge for the flag from here? Well, I think we, we, I think we spoke about it on Tuesday, Gerald's either Tuesday or last Saturday, where I don't know how we haven't spoken about this team beforehand. Um, they've been almost untalked un about. They were in Sydney for a few weeks. They went across to Perth. They've just been doing things quietly. And I did say last week that Chris Scott's the best at deflecting any attention, and he was doing that really well last night <laughs> again. Um, he's sitting there going, just keep a lid on it. Don't say anything. Don't give anyone any uh, ammunition to come at him. But... The footy they're playing at the moment, this is now giving teams time to scout them. Uh, Kane's right with Port Adelaide. One loss. They've been on top of the ladder for the whole season. But one, the teams will now look, going to look at Geelong. So they've got five weeks now to look at them and go, how do we prepare for this team if we play up against them? Which, that's the issue of playing such good footy at this time of the year. It gives opposition teams time to scout you. It's your view, Kane. Um, a bit, bit the same. Yeah, I, I think looking at Geelong's draw as well, it's really open for them. So so they finish first or second from here. Adelaide, Western Bulldogs, I've got a buy. Essendon, Richmond's a big game at Sydney. So they at least win four out of five. And with their healthy percentage, they're, they're top two. So um, what reinforcements can they get back? What role does Radagalia have to play? Probably not much because the three highest scores that they've kicked this year have been without uh, Radagalia. Ablett comes back in if he's ready to go and fit enough to do so. Cockatoo may add something. Oh, I don't know, may add a bit of X factor as well. So, um, look, they're just sitting beautifully and that, they've surprised me. I did not see this performance and I know it was Rob Harding said to you, Jared, that, that Chris Scott's the, the best coach tactically in the game. Well, Hard to go past that now with, with what he's done and his record getting a team that is ageing and hasn't had a lot of first-round draft picks to the finals year after year. Yeah, Craig Jennings is resolute on, on his strategic wherewithal and how he stacks up across the competition. Tara, do you feel like their recent finals record is the reason we're a bit more circumspect on the Cats? So it's three preliminary final losses in the last four seasons, a fourth in 2013. So clearly we know they qualify and they always qualify well. And I know it's fine margins at the pointy end of the season, and there's a lot of coulda, shoulda and woulda. But their recent finals record doesn't make for pretty reading when you judge it against the body of work they've delivered during the home and away season. Yeah, so I think the analysis of Geelong has fallen down on a few fronts. One is that at this time of year when they, they spent most of last year on top of the ladder, yep. um, they get marked down because they play at Cadinia Park, which has always been nonsense. They're a good team who win anywhere, so that's exploding one of those myths. They haven't been this team in many of those preliminary finals, mm. I think. And that speaks to just how well coached they are, that they've been able to hold their position and remain in contention whilst trying to build a team that looks like this. They are, if you watch them closely and analyse them, they are profoundly better than last year. And they spent the bulk of last year sitting on top of the ladder and led clearly the best team in the competition at halftime in a preliminary final. So, Without Tom Hawkins it, and without yeah, Mitch Duncan. It's yep. been... Um, Analyzed as a bigger surprise than I actually think it is. For so we'll come back. Paddy Dangerfield is going to join us. Um, the other major story out of the start of the round is the Giants and just how how derelict they look. Um, everything they've done well this season, they've done the hard way, and then when it doesn't quite work, they they turn in a performance like um, like Thursday night, which Kane it was it was alarming. Oh, it was. To, to kick three goals with that squad that you've got, I I can't pinpoint how that can happen, particularly against a, a side. So why was that Sydney side just so much hungrier than what the Giants were? And that, that, that's an issue for 
the way that they prepare, um, the attitude amongst the group. Are they, like Brett Deludio, Brett Deludio has alluded to, a, a team of individuals that don't um, don't play that team brand of football? You'd have to say that that criticism stacks up. I know it was you know, three weeks ago that he said it, but... Yeah, it's it's every it's every bit alarming, um, and you know Leon Cameron has got some some hard questions that he needs to put to his group because they've committed to him for another two years, and you can argue whether that's the right call or whether they should have waited to the end of the season. I, I think the latter, but um, look, they're still in the mix, but it's going to be tough from here. Hodgie? yeah, I was always a one to sort of give teams enough chances that this is a this is a weird year that mm. you're going to have some lapses but you as Kane said you've just seen it too often and in games that they shouldn't they shouldn't be losing or, or they, they've got to be kicking more goals than what they have and I know a lot of teams have, have struggled to, to hit the scoreboard but they've done it consistently with the team that you're looking on paper is a quality team with with really good forwards yes I know Green's been out for a while and they've had a few other injuries but so have a lot of, a lot of other teams so it's you sit back and sort of scratch your head saying it doesn't take much for a team like that to click but they need to do it now they can't keep playing the footy they are because they're just dropping games or if they do win it's it's a lucky little win like the one they did over richmond where they could have went either way as well but it is starting to get pretty concerning with the inconsistency of that team so how much of it is the way that they're playing and then how much of it is the execution of what they're trying to do in your mind luke uh, watching them against Richmond is they owned a lot of the ball, but it was just getting it inside forward 50. We saw how damaging it can be with, with what Geelong did last night by getting in there as fast as you can to a, a quality big fellow and a quality forward line. I look at GWS with their three talls with Cameron and when Green's down there. They've, they've got a lot of scoring power, but it just doesn't seem like they, they get it in there enough and fast enough. They Against Richmond the, the Friday night that I went down and watched them, it was a kick mark possession game. They'd switch it over the other side, but by the time they got it over to the other side, it'd taken that long that the Richmond defenders could push back and just clog up the forward line. So I reckon when you're when you're sitting there looking at a team like that, you need to move the ball faster, take a few more risks. Yes, you need to own the ball and and maintaining possession helps, but when you're giving teams a chance to rebound and get the whole and they can transition as fast as what Richmond and the other teams can these days. You just need to take a few more risks and try and get them into your, into your big fellas a little bit quicker. Do you think it can be remedied, Kane? Well, I'm a, I've been a big Giants uh, defender and supporter, and I think when they when it does click, they're, they're a little bit like the Western Bulldogs. When it clicks and they play well, you think, geez, they're, they're, their best footy is as good as any team in the competition. But the difference between their best and their worst is like the Bulldogs. It's such a big golf. So... They've struggled to get the ball inside 50. That wasn't the issue the other night. They had um, 52 entries to 33, but they, as Hodgie said, they're so slow. They're wide. Um, Finlayson, Himmelberg, Cameron get in each other's way, I think, and um, they're, they're very happy to sort of flick the ball around and have sort of junk stats, but nothing meaningful, nothing dangerous. Remember the Giants a couple of years ago? They win the ball on the inside, get it to the outside, and then they're frightening. Like, no team good power run with the Giants. They've lost that power running. I mean, even the likes of Kelly, you know, he's more of an inside contested player now. I remember him in, in 17 as the outside breakaway penetrating left foot inside 50. Whitfield's the same. He doesn't have that power running. Canelio, what, what, what's happened to his power and his powerful running on the outside? So I, I think they miss that 
um, badly. So, look, I, I think they can win a final, Jared, but um, they're not winning it this year. That, so I, I agree with what you've said there, Kane. They've lost the best parts of their game. <laughs> it's such mm. a curiosity. What, what is their game now? It used to be they're all, con- they're all contests. Like everything's they're all hard slog, and that's not really them, is it? Everything's hard work. Those three goals, all of them from free kicks. Mm. Everything's hard at the moment. You used to be able to, the, the orange tsunami. The, remember the orange tsunami? Yeah. That's a that's a absolute lifetime ago now. And then the, they get to a grand final off the back of unbelievably sacrificial style of play. The Collingwood prelim was one for the ages. They're a, a mile from that now. I think the ability to make teams defend as well is really important, and that's what Geelong have done. Like so um, possessive of the ball, kick, mark. The Giants took forty three marks on when it was at Friday night, and it's just not enough. It's just too easy for the opposition. So it's one mark long down the line, turn it over. Whereas, whereas Geelong, West Coast, kick mark team, make the opposition defend, take some gas out of them, and then when the opposition get it, turn it over and go back and score. The Giants aren't playing the way that the modern footy is played most successfully. And we marvel at Tom Hawkins, and rightly so, Jared. But inside GWS's forward line, there's a guy by the name of um, um, Himmelberg, They've got Finlayson. They've got Jeremy Cameron as well. Wouldn't you be doing your darndest to get it in there as quick as you possibly could to those three forwards? They're a weird threesome. Oh, I'm a bit with Hodgie on that. That They're a weird threesome. And I don't think they work without Toby Green. Look, to you, as there are moments when players just tell the unfiltered truth. And that was clear at halftime as Stephen Keneally hadn't had time to run through in his mind or talk to anyone about it. And he was asked to assess it. He described it as hopeless and they wanted it more than we did. And the second half was in the same genre. It's a really interesting moment for a captain. I did think of you and wonder how that chimed with you. Um, I guess with that, they're going through a stage, and especially him being his first year as captain, is, is they're, they're trying. there's no doubt they're trying their, their hardest to turn things around. And at times, when you're playing the brand that you are, that, they rock up to that. That's a big clash for them against Sydney Swans. Uh, it's bragging rights pretty much out of both teams, and they're expected to flog them. Sydney have gone through a, a, a list change. They've got a lot of young people coming in, but playing the, the footy that they did, being that far down, was it five goals to one at quarter time? And they, he, I guess he's just emotions got the better of him and, and said it because a lot of a lot of stuff you you try and say as captain or as senior players that you might say that internally to the boys, saying how pathetic this is. We need to lift it, but you always normally want to keep a, a calm head to the media just so people don't talk about it but obviously you see that he's trying his backside often and, and yeah the, he showed how disappointed he was Paddy Dangerfield's going to join us shortly Kane I can't wait to hear your rolling seedings in the Monday means test oh, oh, <laughs> carnage carnage Jared <laughs> crunch time for clean away up your disposal efficiency with clean away it was a performance that's left one hell of an impression on the AFL landscape as good the equal to any that we've seen across 2020 so far Geelong belting Port Adelaide who entered last night at the top of the table having planted their flag a week earlier against Richmond. You're on crunch time for clean away Stockdale and Lego and McDonald's never miss a goal with McDelivery. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmonds, Luke Hodges in the right room of his house and Patrick Dangerfield is with us in the aftermath of last night. Uh, Paddy, welcome to crunch time. G'day Jared, g'day boys. How complete was that last night? Uh, yeah, it was a good performance. Certainly, even going in at half-time, I felt we'd, we'd really controlled a lot of the play but just hadn't hadn't scored as well as we would have liked. And then in the second half, um, you know, far more efficient um, with the entries that we had and 
Uh, and the big fella up there was just astonishing. He had a, an incredible game, and uh, it was hard not to just kick it in his general vicinity and, and he'd dressed. Have you played in a game where a key forward has been such a commanding presence that you can recall? Yeah, I have, and that was Tom when he kicked seven against Melbourne in 2018. We we're actually we we're all having a bit of a laugh and a joke about it last night, trying to think of of moments you know where players have really dominated it, and and that was the last one he kicked. I think it was seven and a half, and um, won the game against Melbourne. He just yeah, it was that was the special performance, and then this this one last night was one that was just sort of from from go to wire. Every every time he went near the ball, it, it was. You know, it's like a magnet, and he was just—he was sensational. Does it does it change the dynamic of the way that you play? Does it does it give a sense, I guess, uh, almost sort of funnel vision rather than tunnel vision about the way you want to play? Yeah, I was asked after the game. You know, was there a a, a set play with in regards to using Tom? And, and there really wasn't. It was just you know, we still want to use you know, the best available at any one stage when we're bringing the ball forward. But it just, it just had great position. And, you know, when when you get that sort of flow in a game, it just sort of, you know, it just it encroaches on the whole group that this guy is just on to just do whatever you can to get it to him. And, um, you know, he, he made our job easy as midfielders because his positioning was so good. Can pick up that conversation with Luke Hodge. Luke, <laughs> I hate saying this, but Patrick, you were very good last night, mate, uh, <laughs> along with, with Hawk and, and a lot of the other blokes. But the bloke I want to focus on is Gary Rowan. Uh, I saw him, his work rate last night, his energy that he's brought to your side. But also, it seems like he's bringing like a relaxed uh, mindset as well. He's laughing after all the boys kick goals. He just seems like he brings so much to your team. Yeah, he does, Hodge. He, um, he's really enjoying his footy and since crossing from Sydney, last year was the first year he'd done a full pre-season and he'd had the same thing again going into this year and, and previous to that, I think it was it was eight or nine years where he just hadn't had any opportunity to, to complete a full pre-season. And I don't think it's until you do that that you really bulletproof yourself um, in regards to your own game. So he's really done that and he's really benefited from the, from the rest he'd had a few weeks ago. So... He's jumping well at the ball. He's a beautiful kick. And he's great in the air. So, yeah, you're right. He does give us a huge amount of energy in that forward line and a different dynamic to, to the other players we've got down there as well. You're, uh, you guys have gone through a massive workload with, well, I think it was five games in 19 days. Your defence last night looked pretty banged up. I reckon I counted. There was Taylor, Lonigan, Kolodjazny, Stewart, all come off at stages with corkies. They look pretty banged up. How have they pulled up today? And... To be honest, they look worse than me the way I've run these days. How, how have they pulled up? Well, Harry uh, runs like that normally, even when he <laughs> actually run out. So that wasn't too dissimilar for him. Lonigan, I'm glad you mentioned him. He's been retired for three years, so he's Henderson. not moving too Henderson. well at all. <laughs> Henderson, my mate. <laughs> Two nil, Dave. Two nil. Any any opportunity to take it out of you, I am so glad. I'm I'm rattled because I know what you're going to hit me with just before you get off the air, just like last night. So how about we change Lodigan for Henderson? Yeah, Um, yeah, Hendo. He 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 copped a a couple of big hits, and I think that's what happens when you're playing on on Charlie Dixon. You know, he's such a man mountain down there that you've just got to put your body on the line every time the ball comes in because if you don't, he's just going to clunk it. And that's what he's done for the majority of the season. So our guys really set themselves for that challenge and have been working really well collectively as a unit. You know, they pride themselves on 
you know, a, a team within a team, essentially. Uh, and that's led by Scarlo. Um, and, yeah, the, the work they do in the air and then the, the run they uh, provide us with has been, you know, a huge part of our success for this year. I did notice that last night, that all your coaches had the nice slacks on. They look really professional. And Scalo's got runners and shorts that are three sizes too small. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they refer to themselves as the midfit. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's perfect, I think. You know, he, he leads that well. Harry always, no matter what um, function that we go to, whenever we wear a suit, Harry always rocks up in runners and Scarlo does the same thing. So just a different bunch of sort of cats down there, but uh, it works. So we're happy with that. Paddy, Sam Edmund here. Well done last night. Incredible performance and your own performance shouldn't be glossed over either, but I will do that just for this short period of time. I want to ask you about the families reuniting with you guys and the boost that may have given you. I'm assuming it can't be underestimated, can it? There's a lot of kids, a lot of families at the club. What what difference did that make, if any, to the uh, psyche morale of the playing group? Uh, about minus three and a half hours sleep yeah. the night before. Yeah. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> oh, look, no, it's, it's been wonderful. Um, you know, not having seen them for, for six weeks, it was really special it was to have everyone everyone come in and we're really mindful of the fact that, you know, there's a terrible situation at the moment in Victoria. So we're just blessed that the AFL made that possible for the families to come up and I'm watching George now and we're watching Paw Patrol, which is one of the worst shows going around. But it's just <laughs> nice to spend time time together again. And, um, and as you said, you know, um, it does give you a boost and it sort of almost relaxes the environment as well because no matter what, or how serious an issue is when the kids run around, it sort of just lightens the mood. Yeah, you got to get them on Bluey anyway. That's a much better show. Just with <laughs> family, I, I just want to ask you about, you know, Gary Ablett's obviously dealing with some serious and, and very sad family matters himself at the moment. It sounds almost trivial to ask this, but it appears like you're going to be seeing him soon up there. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, we hope so. At, at the same time, we want to, you know, Gaz will, will take all the time that he and Jordan and, and his family needs. Um, but we're hopeful that we'll see him at some stage. But that's entirely his call, and um, we're incredibly support, supportive of, of whichever decision he makes. He's, he's certainly earned that right. He's such a wonderful person. Um, but we're hopeful that we'll see him at some some stage, um, you know, throughout September, and hopefully for our finals campaign if we're good enough to get there. So you mentioned so six weeks and now the families are there and it stretches on. Now you've got your fixture. You'll be in Queensland. There's no further travel and then a final series after that. And this is it's an unnatural circumstance. It really only marries up with cricket. How are you finding it? How are you finding living in each other's pockets? Yeah, it's it's quite odd. It's um, yeah, you you really do live in each other's pockets, and if you don't see someone for a day, you end up going to the next day. Is everything okay? <laughs> see you at breakfast, this morning, or at lunch. So, um, it, it's it's odd. It's like an extended sort of preseason camp that just never stops. Um, but you know, there's no other alternative is there given the uh, the state of things within our country. So. Um, it's been bloody sensational that Queensland have opened the doors the way that they have. And um, I'm not sure what the summer pre-seasons are like here, but winter for playing footy, it's a, it's really good for your body. That's one thing I've certainly found, that you're just able to recover a bit quicker because it's 20 degrees instead of uh, 4 degrees and raining like it would be in Geelong. Yeah. 
The summers are very hot, mate. Very hot and humid. <laughs> <laughs> you might get a tan if you come up here in summer. Luke, we both know that is never going to happen. <laughs> are you the dishes Nazi in any public area, that the, any, in the uh, area that the players share? Yes, I am. Because, yeah. seriously, some of our players, when you walk through the sort of corridor, this is before the families got there, and they just never put clothes away. Like, we're staying here for what's going to be three months, and boys are still living out of their suitcases. Now, I get I might have been like that at one stage in my life, but just unpack your suitcases and please just do your dishes after yourself, Jared. It's not that hard. <laughs> Imparting wisdom for many years. Uh, funny. Um, the coach is starting to get... It's interesting how the conversation has come around to the credit that maybe has been a little overdue for him and the record that he's amassed over his time in charge. So this is a very particular strategic challenge that you've given us an insight into the planning that's happened. Um, could you provide a little bit of detail on just uh, how Chris and the coaching group have been going about it and whether it's a level of planning even more than what you would typically see? Uh, yeah, I, I think it is. And mind you, I say that only because you see the coaches a lot more and you're inter interacting a lot more than you would be in a normal season. So you are a bit more um, included in everyday conversation simply because, as you said before, we're living out of each other's pockets. Um, but we've had a really clear plan from the very beginning of this in terms of the um, the players that we'll use, the depth in our squad and how important that will be. And then just looking through how our coaches sort of review and preview games, um, you know, that's, from what I've seen, um, far more in-depth than what I thought possible, even even um, you know, what, with what you see at the the footy club, that happens normally in a normal season. So you know they've been at the top of their game, and that's led by Chris. You know, I'm a staunch defender of him. I think he's just such an incredible coach and hasn't um, received the plaudits that he certainly deserves because his resume speaks for itself, and his win loss ratio, you know, isn't isn't matched. So he's he's been a wonderful coach. Um, you know, individually for me and, and collectively for us. Is is there a sweet spot at the moment where you lap up what he gives you? Yeah, and I think there's also there's a there's the balance of the the team structure and what we want to achieve going into a game, understanding you know, what makes the opposition good and how we need to nullify that and then, you know, conversely how we want to play. But also individually for all of our players still playing with the, the freedom um, and talent that you were recruited with in the beginning. You know, we're not trying to stifle that. We want to foster you know, those individual talents and make sure that, that adds to our collective. And I think that's a really important one as a player because it means you can do you know, the things that you grew up being good at, the reasons that you were picked, um, and then still, you know, still to, for it to, to fit into the, the team ethos, if you will. So... I think the coaches do a really good job of just encouraging players to, to play their natural game and that will that will add to what we are trying to do as a team. How, uh, how uh, is the work-life balance with, with the coaches? Do you get at times where you see Scott and go, oh, I don't want to talk to him because he's going to talk about structure or are they pretty relaxed and understand just to give you some time away? Because I, I know when, if I ever saw Clark go on a Wednesday day off, I'd walk the other way just so we didn't have to talk about football. <laughs> I couldn't imagine you guys being at a hub for six weeks together and going to probably be 16 by the end of it, trying not to talk about football every day. Yeah, you, you're spot on. And, and 
Um, I suppose every coach is, is different. There's some that take the time to review games. There's some that are just straight into it. Nigel Lappin is the most, you know, just about the most thorough person I've ever seen. Um, that being said, if you want to change the topic with Chris, you can do it pretty quickly just by asking about his favourite wineries or wine and then all of a sudden footy is very is very much an afterthought so you can buy yourself some time that way thank you (laughs) Uh, we'll let you get back to Paw Patrol Paddy thanks for your time thanks boys thanks for having me cheers crunch time is for clean away Stockdale and Lego and McDonald's never miss a goal with McDelivery Luke Hodge Jared Waitley Sam Edmonds to ping some questions around the table rapid fire questions for rapid tune they'll keep you moving rapidtune.com.au Just had a quick squiz. West Coast are premiership favourites. That's sort of been the past the parcel. Are West Coast premiership favourites in your mind, Luke, knowing that they will leave Western Australia shortly and finish off in a hub in Queensland? Um, you've probably got five teams that can put their hand up to be premiership favourites. Um, the team I saw last night playing away... Uh, and looks like likely the the grand final could be in Queensland. Um, they they put put their hand up to say they're pretty strong contenders. West Coast would have to play better footy away than what they did initially at the start. I think they left Queensland being one and four, and they won their first game at home prior to to going into the hub. So, um, look, the next six weeks are going to tell this on how how what they've learnt from the travel. But they've got to put their hand. They've got to be up there if they continue to play the footy that they've played at home. The most fascinating side to watch for the next two months, Jared, is West Coast, given they just couldn't have sucked it up anymore the first time around. Now they have to pack their bags and go back. To spare no expense with the Sykes, bring a whole army of mind uh, experts and health, mental health experts with them and just get it right. And we're going to see right off the bat just what they're made of because they've got the Tigers and Metricon. And, gee, the Eagles supporters weren't happy about that, that the Tigers dodged the trip to Perth. That is in round 14. It is going to be such a fascinating watch, the Eagles back in a hub environment. If it was your choice, Luke, would you put the buy-in ahead of the final series between the end of the home and away and the finals? Would you institute the week off? No, scrap it. Scrap the buy. Get the footy done, I reckon. Uh, I'm a big believer that football's about endurance. It's about... I I never like... This is my personal opinion because I never liked the buy coming in. Uh, My understanding of football, it was was an endurance game. It's physical. Uh, You've got to be mentally strong to play. You've got to be mentally strong to last the full season, physically doing the right things, and people get found out at the end of the year if they haven't given them that week off. Yes, it makes it more exciting for, for AFL and gives a team like the Bulldogs to come from seventh up and win the flag. Uh, if they hadn't had that buy, they wouldn't have played with four of their main guys back in 216. So uh, I'd be more than happy for them to scrap the buy and and push on. Sounds like it's going to happen though, Jared. So if you're it? reading the tea leaves, yeah. it's starting to come back into vogue. I think that? if the boss is willing to say, Gillan McLaughlin, that, he, that, it, that it's it's his preference, he likes it, they're it's considering it. It's always been his thing, personally. <laughs> I mean, you lock it in, don't you? I mean, assuming nothing happens um, negatively with COVID in these states, and we hope that's not the case, as long as they're ahead of the race with COVID and winning the battle, I think you lock it in that we're going to get a week off. So Gil said that. I've changed my mind. I really like the buy. Um, I, <laughs> no, no. We've got to hold and push back is from that player's yeah, perspective. No, Hodgie, Hodgie makes a, a good point. But, I mean, if it means that we might get um, a, an injured player back for that week, or uh, and the dogs are the example from 2016, we, we get players back that otherwise wouldn't play. I think we want the best possible product, do we not? Oh, we, we do. But I guess I was always taught making sure that if you if you do the right things around yeah. 12 to 16, you get rewarded yeah, yeah. around 8. And if you finish top two 
top four and you win that first final, then you get rewarded for being the best team all year and winning the first final. At this stage with the bye coming in, in between final, uh, the last round and finals, you get disadvantaged because you play one game in between 20 to 28 days because you got the bye, you play a game, you got the bye, and then you play seven days later there. So I feel that you being the best team, you get disadvantaged with lack of football. One game in three weeks at roughly is as Hodgie points out. Imagine that now, Jared. After everything we've had, the condensed fixture, then going to suddenly one game in three weeks, it'll be an eternity. Yes, yeah, so clubs clubs will be having intra clubs every four days just to make sure they stay <laughs> fit and ready to go. In the scheme of if we don't have the buy, the, the winning the qualifying finals will be at the greatest premium we've ever seen is to get the breather in the final series against the, the flow of things. I sort of like that, is that we would richly reward the teams who who finish in the top four and win that first week of the finals. At Perth, or if you're reading the tea leaves, where do you think the favoured venue for the grand final is, Sam? Oh, this is such a question, hard question to answer. We'll answer it every week, I reckon. Yeah, we do. Um, I'm really warming to Perth yeah. at the moment. I think Optus Stadium. And, look, so many decisions have to be made for them to pull out the ace in the sleeve that they've got, which is the 60,000 capacity and, and potentially opening up the borders as well. If they do those two things, and they've still got plenty of time to do it, mind you, we know how quickly things can change, then I'd say that their case is so compelling, as opposed to 15,000 at the Gabba, which you've been told, and the MCG off the grid, then it's almost the only option for mine. Luke, could you see Joe Danaher in a Lions forward yes. line? Um, I heard that the other day. I was I was pretty shocked the fact that they've got uh, Hipwood, McInerney, McStay all playing a similar role. Um, yes, it looks like uh, Oscar McInerney's moving into the ruck with Stefan Martin being injured, and he, he's actually been really really good the last few weeks. I would have thought that they would have went for someone a little bit different, maybe a, a big, as you said, a big bull down there that they don't really have. McStay's on the lead mark. Hipwood's obviously athletic uh, and more of a... a covers the ground, I'd be picturing them to be going for a bigger one, but who knows? Um, I think if you can pull in someone who's probably possible to kick 40 or 50 goals and, and, and be another target down there, then you sure, if you've got the chance, you'd go for it. Chris Fagan, I think, Jared, yesterday, the best non-denial denial. Best. Denial. Best. <laughs> <laughs> Too good. For some time. He started off by saying, it's the first he'd heard of it. He was as shocked as anyone when he read it, and he doesn't know where these things come from. But then he made the point of uh, mentioning that he, he doesn't sit in on the match committee, uh, on their list management meetings, and their list manager, obviously, Dom Ambrosio, lives in Melbourne. Um, so, <laughs> so basically, it could very well be happening, and just uh, Chris is uh, not unaware of it, but just keeping himself at arms like It was the, one of the great non-denial denials. I'm totally with you. How big's Collingwood in Melbourne, Luke, with the Demons are playing for a spot in the eight? Well, we did say that a few weeks ago, saying that as bad as they were playing, that they're actually on the verge. Where they sit now, they're sitting 10th, um, five and five, and, and GWS are in the eight with five and five. So it's, um, oh, look, this is a weird year. Anything's possible. We could be seeing a team that's playing so badly that could sneak into the finals. And we all know that they've got a really good list. It's just how they're playing and how they move the ball. The game that I saw them against Port Adelaide was just slow and, and boring. But I guess with the, the coaching staff they've got, they've they've tweaked a few things. And and Gorn's obviously out for for a little while with his with his injury. But as I said, they do have a really good midfield led by Petraka and, and Viney and the like. So anything's possible. I wouldn't have thought I would have been saying this no. 10 weeks ago. Anything's possible. We'll talk, Luke, on Tuesday. Um, good to have you there. Sounds good. Thanks. 
Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Luke Hodge with us on Crunch Time.